Hey, ringers. Dan here from the Put Around a Podcast. Welcome to episode 103 on micro weddings. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Everybody, listen up. I cracked the code. I cracked the code today, and I cannot believe it. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I am the heart of this podcast, and Danielle is the brains. Everybody knows that. The logistics comes out of Danielle. The feels comes out of me. But whoa, buddy, wait to the end of this episode. You need to stick around because Danielle got into the feels and she was being all wiggly and fluffy. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But she got into the feels. And this episode actually turned an interesting turn in that we were comparing so much about what we've seen with micro weddings to big weddings, but really where we see them going and what the benefits are of them going forward outside of the COVID realm. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, whether you're doing a small wedding, whether you're doing a big wedding, we talk about a lot of different stuff in this episode, but no matter what type of wedding you're planning to have, we want you to come on board and join the Ringer Club with us so that we can help you through this journey together and alongside the rest of the members in our Ringer Club. If you head to patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, there's several different options to join the Ringer Club, but you get all the benefits, regardless of what tier you're in, so that you can save money as we go through this process. But really what it comes down to is that you get access to Dan and I to pluck on his heartstrings, apparently, and pick my brain. <laughs> also, you could probably pick Dan's nose while we're picking things. <laughs> it's a big nose. It is a big nose. So patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Please come join us in the Ringer Club. We would love to have you and know that we are always cheering you on throughout this entire process. Tiny, micro, big, small, doesn't matter. We're on your team and we're so excited to get you married at the end of the day. So Dan, let's get into this episode, shall we? Let's do it. Planning a wedding is hard work, am I right? But you are not alone. Welcome to the Put a Ring on a Podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DPNAC Events. I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros with a fork ton of experience sharing our best tips and tricks. And downright sensible advice for a wedding that feels good to you. Plain and simple, we got your back. Hey, Dan, are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Ringer friends, Dan here. And Danielle here, too. Oh, that wasn't that exciting. Are you excited to be here, Danielle, or what? I'm always excited to be here. I'm always excited to sit in front of my microphone that I've always wanted to have on my desk and talk to you about wedding things. <laughs> it's going to be great. Talk to me and our peeps. Speaking of my microphone, so forever ago when we started this podcast, one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast is because I wanted to have a reason to have this arm with a microphone on the end of it. <laughs> and so now when I have meetings and you know how like everything's been over Zoom, I do all my meetings with my earphones and my microphone because I love it. And I spent money on it, invested in it, and I want to use this darn thing. And every single time people are like, wow, that's quite the setup. I'm like, I know I've always wanted it. It's why I started a podcast. And here we are. <laughs> I feel like I'm revealing my ulterior motives to starting this podcast. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I'm down with it. It does make me feel real fancy when I like swing it in the frame and I'm like, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Does this make my voice sound great? I know. It does make our voice sound great. Really great. So this is going to be a really great episode because I feel like 
it is one of the biggest things that really came into the wedding consciousness from 2020. Micro weddings are something that is on everybody's thought process. And as we're kind of coming out of the COVID times, hopefully, more so than just like looking through a micro wedding from that lens, I'm excited to dig into it from the what is this going to look like for the future and this whole new option for people to really do for a wedding to celebrate themselves coming together. Yeah. I'm very much a believer that life is always about balance, that throughout COVID, and obviously here in Pennsylvania, I feel like we're kind of still in it, but like we're on the tail end of it, not to jinx any of it, but that's where we're kind of at with all of this right now. We spent the last many months very shut down and restricted. And I think by nature, weddings went really small. And I think what's going to happen as we kind of come out of this is that life is going to teeter on our seesaw the other way. And we're actually going to be going to some very big weddings because people are going to be very excited to come together and celebrate because we haven't been able to. And then after a bit of time, life is going to find that place that's going to balance out. But what I love is that we're coming out of all of this, obviously with a ton of lessons learned, we're coming out of this with this wonderful new spotlight on micro weddings. And I think if anything is to be learned from that, it's just that it can be so beautiful. And I think 2020 forced us to see what micro weddings would really look like on a much larger scale than just some people eloping. And as we find that balance again in the wedding industry, I'm very certain that micro weddings are going to become more and more normal just right alongside big weddings. So that's why we want to talk about this and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I mean, firstly, we actually did some episodes already. One was pre-COVID. Episode 62, Micro Weddings with Elisa Tong is a really great episode that we did, like I said, prior to COVID that really talked about what they are and just kind of gave a bird's eye view of it. Was episode 85 during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Episode 85, Going Small, Elopements, Minimonies, and Micro Weddings is another great one. But this one, we're pretty much going to be talking a lot about micro weddings going forward. I feel like micro weddings, when we were talking about the last one in 85, was a reaction to everybody saying, we need to make weddings happen. And going small was what everybody had to do because of restrictions. So this is us kind of reframing that into creating an experience around a micro wedding going forward and what that looks like, not just a reaction to COVID. So Danielle, are you ready to dive in and have me ask some questions to you? Oh, I like this. Um, Yes. I was going to say, should we do it Jeopardy style where you give the answer and and I give the question, but then I realized that would not work. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not good. Let's not do that. (laughs) Let's start simple and just redefine again what a micro wedding is outside of the realm of here's an alternative to do in COVID. Yes. So we use all this terminology and it does help to break it down what in the world we're actually talking about. By definition, there's really no ultimate rule book here and it can vary by region, but it's usually a smaller, more intimate wedding with roughly 25 guests or less in attendance. It's usually a step up from an elopement, but a different feel of a quote unquote, big wedding where you're having a lot of people there. It usually has a different vibe, a little bit different energy than if you were throwing a really big celebration. Overall, when we talk about this, we always say like, don't use relative terms like big or small, whatever it is. And that's where it really varies. But you know, in your area, what is a big wedding, what big weddings you have attended and things like that, even within your family. So when we talk about micro weddings, this is going really, really tiny and going in a much smaller scale to what you might be seeing anywhere else. 
So immediately I hear you saying, okay, it's a number. I hear it's less than 25 guests, at least that there's an experiential part of this that's different than like, I'm going to have a small wedding or intimate wedding. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So when you have an elopement, it's usually two people going away together to focus on the ceremony. What they do before, after the ceremony or after the elopement itself is usually outside of what is all happening. Obviously there's a dinner involved and they celebrate it, but the elopement is just that. The ceremony is the focus. A big wedding is there's everybody coming in and there's a ceremony and there's a cocktail hour and there's dinner and then there's dancing. A micro wedding kind of falls in between those two things. There's still a really heavy focus on the ceremony, but then there's also usually a dinner and some sort of lighter entertainment that's combined in with all of it. And obviously there's a million different ways you can do any of this. Like when we talk about this, we're using a lot of generalities, which may or may not be helpful, but that's kind of how I look at it as a planner and how it's kind of discussed on average throughout the industry. A micro wedding is really focused on bringing your absolute top tier cream of the crop VIP of VIPs together and saying, we want to do this ourselves, but we want you there and only you there to witness this. And what it changes is that it brings in your community a little bit. It doesn't open up to the point where you feel like you're two people amongst hundreds. You're still able to be together with all these people, but it happens in a way that is really meaningful and really intentional so that you're going small with all people that are there. But by doing that, you're able to go really big on the experience itself. And that doesn't mean fireworks and a 10 piece band. <laughs> it could. <laughs> Right. I mean, how cool would it be to have your own little private fireworks show? But it does mean that you're able to give them this experience that you wouldn't otherwise normally be able to do, perhaps, on a scale of hundreds of people. When you're thinking about putting together a dinner for 10 or 15 people or whatever your number is, it's much different what you're able to do with time, with budget, with resources, compared to when you're looking at feeding 200 people. It's why when you go to a banquet or a gala or a wedding where there's a bunch of people, you're typically served either from a buffet or a station, or you're served that chicken dinner. Well, not you, Dan, you don't get chicken because you're vegetarian, but you get that basic meal, which is delicious and fine. When you have a micro wedding, you're able to make this five course meal. If that's the kind of direction that you want to go with it for your guests. And it's just not feasible when you have hundreds of people. Yeah. So what I hear is, and I'm going to generalize again here, the term intimate wedding or elopement is synonymous with budget and not budget in a bad way it still has a lot of meaning and everything tied into that but i hear budget simple small when i hear micro wedding i think wedding on a smaller scale where say if your budget is twenty five thousand dollars for the whole wedding if you're going to take twenty five thousand dollars what does that twenty five thousand dollars for a hundred person wedding look like versus $25,000 for a 15-person wedding. And I'm not saying that's the number you need to have for a micro-wedding. I'm just using that as an example. But am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, that's where simple math and division come into play because we've said it before. Your guest list is one of the biggest driving factors in your overall budget. The more people you have, the more everything pretty much that you need. So when you take that number and divide it by a whole lot less people, you're able to go a lot farther with it if you want to. Or you can just save it and spend it on an amazing honeymoon. So why would somebody go out and have a micro wedding going forward. Obviously, we've said it several times in the beginning of this episode that this really came into the forefront of everybody's wedding consciousness because of COVID and the reaction to that. So why would people do this going forward? Why would they opt to have a micro wedding going forward? 
Yeah. What 2020 forced a lot of couples into was doing a micro wedding. And that comes with a lot of feelings and a lot of grief and all that stuff for what could have been or what should have been. But reality is, is that's what happened. And I think in doing that, so many couples were kind of forced into seeing how amazing having a really small wedding could be, because there's a lot of focus within our industry on TV and movies on having these really big celebrations. And I think sometimes as a couple, you feel a lot of pressure to host everybody. And whether that comes from your family pressure or that comes from your guest pressure or society pressure, or just that, I think this is just what I'm supposed to do. COVID really showed that it can still be a really beautiful, intentional, amazing wedding and celebration without all of those people. And it still matters just as much. It's still just as legal. It's still just as real. It's still just as special. So when you're starting to peel back all these layers and you're able to look at it with a lot different glasses, I think that's the beautiful thing that came out of this is that we now see that micro weddings are not just something that we need to be forced into it. They're actually a really viable option for couples that say, you know what? I think we want to do this in a way that feels really good to us because hosting a hundred, 200, whatever people doesn't seem like the way we want to spend our day. And I like that we gave them that view on this. Yeah. I mean, we have talked about Lauren and Sean many times in this podcast. But this is a wedding that Danielle and I had several years ago where they started out as like a big Philadelphia ballroom wedding. And at a certain point, they just said, this does not feel like us. And it went from like that to, hey, we're going to go to Africa. Dan, will you come photograph us in Africa? And it ended up being at the top of the Gramercy Park Hotel in New York in February. And it was like 28 people. And it was spectacular. Lauren's got this amazing design eye, and she took the time to handcraft these amazing little geodes. Imagine trying to do what her and Sean did on a 100-person scale wedding. It would be madness. It was a Pinterest wedding on a small scale. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I think everybody goes through a lot of emotions when you're planning a wedding. And for some couples, you can be really, really excited about having a big thing and bringing everybody together. And there's a whole other side of it that gives a lot of anxiety. And the thought of having to do that in front of all these people, it's daunting. And it's not just nerves. It's not just, oh, you'll get over it and you'll be fine. It's your wedding day. Everybody feels like that. Those are real feelings. And I think if you're able to shift and do something that really makes sense to you and feels good to you, then you should absolutely do that. And in Lauren and Sean's case, they really talked to each other and talked with their families and made a decision that felt good to them. And they did end up going to Africa for their honeymoon. I think they were there for like three weeks just doing their thing. And they seemed like they were on top of the world at their wedding because it felt like they really stood up for themselves for what they wanted. And they were in it, guys. Like they had made decisions. They had signed contracts. They had put down deposits. They did that that wedding that they wanted to do with a bit of a loss, I would say, in what they had initially planned, but they stuck to their guns and I'm proud of them for it. Yeah. Can we just talk about the permission or like maybe just hearing this if you're on the fence about something right now in your wedding planning process and it's getting out of control that this is definitely an option. And I think you mentioned it a little bit ago that there's outside pressures and tradition and opinion all can dictate weddings. But if it gets to a point where you're creating this wedding that doesn't feel right to you, this is definitely an option. And I think talking to your significant other and finding out what's right to you. I know several of my couples over the past couple of years had a whole lot of pressure from money that was being given to them. And ultimately, 
they ended up completely scrapping original plans and doing smaller things or changing venues or whatever it was to be more in line with what they really believed and what they really wanted. And if you need a little permission to do that, here it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll send a note home with you next time we see you. <laughs> I think, though, what it comes down to is you as the couple need to be on the same page with this. I think you can be on different pages with your family members. I think you can be on different pages with your guests and all of that. But if you and your partner aren't on the same page with it, then that's your starting point. That's your foundation. Because if one of you wants to go big, one of you wants to go small, there needs to be some compromises made on both of your parts to find a really good central point as to why and what that foundation is going to be built upon. Okay. So Miss Planner, obviously planning weddings are similar. There's similar things you have to do. But if you're doing a micro wedding, you're obviously not looking at big giant ballrooms and things like that. So what are some tangible steps or where do people start if they say, you know what, small sounds a little better for us? Where do people start and what are the first couple things that they can get underneath their belt? Okay. So when you think about going small, you open up a little bit more possibilities with traveling a little bit more than you maybe would have. Obviously, you can get married just about anywhere, I think. I don't know if there's any place you can't actually get married. But when you're looking at getting a group of like 10, 15, 20 people somewhere, it's a lot easier than asking 200 people to go wherever. Obviously, it's possible. But that's your starting point is figuring out, okay, maybe where do we want to do this? Whether that's a very specific venue or even just starting with a specific country, state, city, location, <laughs> right? Like you can work your way in from there. I've shared before on this podcast, I got engaged to Mike a few years ago. Sorry, guys, I'm still planning and working on it. Don't hate me. But within days, I was like, I know we're going to go to Bali and we're going to have this whole week and we're going to bring our parents there and it's going to be awesome. And then I figured out where Bali is and I was like, whoa. Can't do that. <laughs> so once you're able to hone in on like, okay, well, now we know where we want to do this. Now you need to start looking at venues. And I will say out of all the options for venues, micro weddings can be a little bit more challenging than doing just an elopement or a wedding where you have a couple hundred people. Because hosting a wedding for a venue requires usually that they need to kind of shut down that space. Like if you're talking at a restaurant, in order to make sure that financially that restaurant is going to be able to shut down for that day and be completely private to you, they need to make a certain amount of money. So when you're looking at spaces that will host like 20, 25 people or less, it can be tricky because you can't often rent out the whole space. Like it just becomes a little bit disproportionate. So because of COVID, so many venues have found ways to host micro weddings safely and in these really beautiful ways that luckily going forward, now we have this figured out a little bit more. So if you're looking at a specific area, you can Google or search, you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, micro weddings, and you'll start getting a little bit more information on it. That said, I always say the best way to get started with any of that stuff is definitely look for a planner in that area because they're going to have all the ins and outs. But there's options with venues now. There's outdoor options. There's restaurant options, museums. There's a ton of really different ways. I think the nice thing about micro weddings is because you have a lower guest list, you're asking less people to take that time off of work. And because of that, you get a little bit more flexibility with maybe you get married on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a middle of the week that isn't a Friday, Saturday, Sunday prime date. 
And that is when you will be able to see restaurants and venues open up their doors a little bit more to the idea of hosting a lot less people that night, because then you're still guaranteeing them that income for that night on a night where maybe they wouldn't otherwise have it. So that's like a good starting point is keeping your mind open, figuring out where you want to do it and kind of then letting all those pieces fall into place. Okay. So obviously after venue and all that kind of stuff, you've got flexibility obviously with where the ceremony is going to be as well. I'm thinking back to a wedding I did in 2013, which was in Germany. It was in Heidelberg, Germany. It was amazing. The couple had been there before and they knew the castle that's there. The Heidelberg castle was where they wanted to get married. But literally the day before we all walked up there and we walked around and we just looked for a space that they could get married. Um, and if you go to my website, dannymorephotography.com and just Google Heidelberg wedding or Cody and Allison, it'll come up. They got married at the base of this turret that was falling down. And I think it was a total of nine people or 12 people. And then the reception was later that evening. It was on a boat. They rented out like the whole bottom of this boat and we had a dinner and all that stuff. It wasn't dancing, but it was nice. And so now thinking back on it, I feel like micro weddings were not really necessarily a thing, but it was an experience to be there. That sounds awesome. I love that. I didn't know you had gone to Germany to do a wedding. That's really cool. So as you're saying this, I'm kind of realizing when you go small with your guest list, you're able to make those adjustments day of. Very nimble. Yeah, exactly. The expectations of that are a little bit different too. You have your parents or your VIPs, like your innermost circle there. They care about you. They're not looking at the flowers going down the aisle. They're not looking at what kind of chairs they're sitting in. They're there 100% for you, 100% focused on you. And they're not thinking about all those other things. I don't know. Maybe they are. Obviously, they care about being comfortable and all of that. But they're not saying, oh, gosh, can you believe she chose baby's breath to go down the aisle? There's anything wrong with that. Like That's not going through their head in that moment. They're focused on you. And I think when you're able to pare down your guest list to just those people, to the people that just care about the two of you, you're able to forget about some of those other things that you might need to figure out and coordinate and hire and book and do all that stuff. Not to say is you can't have a bunch of flowers at your ceremony. But if your ceremony consists of the two of you holding hands in front of whatever place with your 10 favorite people standing around watching, there's nothing wrong with that. Whereas when you have 200 people, suddenly that becomes like, oh gosh, they didn't even get us chairs. And like, oh, there's no decor here. I don't know that that's right, that that expectation shifts, but there's definitely a shift. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when the last time was that you saw a group of 200 people just show up at a park and make things happen for a wedding. I'm sure somebody has done it before. And if you've done it, please send us a picture. That'd be awesome. But we talked about being nimble here. And yes, if you have 10, 15 people and you say, you know what, we're going to get married at this park, but you're not quite sure where it's going to be at that park, you can show up there with 10 or 15 people and go on the fly. And people standing there can make a natural aisle. And I'm speaking about this because last July, I had a wedding that was, they, hey, we're going to get married in between these big houses. There's this big circle at this park of concrete. And I'm going to kind of walk in from over here. And we think this is probably going to be the background. And they were asking me this day of. And I was like, yep, that sounds good. This place looks good. The sun back there is in a good spot. So yeah, it's good here. And we all did this before the bride had showed up. We made a natural aisle of people standing there. 
And it worked because it was like 15 people and it was great. (laughs) Yeah. This is where the planner in me and the person who loves logistics and thrives on, but we need to have it all figured out well in advance. It's tough for me because my mind battles like, but we need a plan. And I think it's fine if you're a person who's similar and wants to have the plan, but I think it's a really good option if you're like, yeah, we're good with being flexible and nimble is a really good word that you used and just letting this happen organically and as it can, because you can tell your 10, 15 favorite people, hey, I know we said we were going to like go to that one park, but we're going to like go over here by these trees. Can y'all just meet us over here easily? But how do you do that with a ton of extra people? I think it gives you the space to be more spontaneous, which y'all know I'm allergic to. (laughs) Makes me itchy and it gives me a bellyache. Makes me sneezy. (laughs) So what I hear is that this is really about experience. It's about crafting experience for people who are closest to you. I want to unpack that a little bit more. So you did a micro wedding. I've done a couple. You're very much in touch with the pulse of what's happening in the wedding industry, I think more than I am, just because you deal with all parts of the wedding. Can you just talk a little bit about some of the weddings that you've heard of, the one that you did, and how they were structured with the meal and all that kind of stuff? So micro weddings are different than the bigger weddings in many ways. And then there's also a lot of similarities in how we approach it. Overall, the way you approach any life event that you're throwing some sort of gathering celebration around comes down to a conversation about what matters to us and what kind of experience do we want to give our guests. And there's no real right or wrong here. We've said before in this podcast, as long as you touch on the four fundamentals of food, drink, comfort, and entertainment, then you win the game. Like that's all you have to do. You have to make sure that you're taking care of those things. And with micro weddings, it looks a little bit different, but it still starts with your priorities of what you as the couple say, this is what kind of experience we want to give our guests. For some, it might be that we've always wanted to have this amazing meal, or we've always wanted to treat our family to this amazing meal, or maybe our mothers grew up cooking for us our whole lives. We want them to make this incredible family meal for us, for this table, whatever it is, that's like, okay, this event is going to be really based around outside of you getting married around food. And I guess I should asterisk that all of this is based around the idea that getting married is the top most priority. So that we're like working down the second tier. But if you're looking at the fact that, okay, we just want to give everybody this incredible meal or a very cultural meal, or maybe you want to cook for them. What an incredible way to kind of like share your soul with all these wonderful people. Then you want to build your event around the meal. Whereas you might say like, no, we'll make sure everybody's fed, but we want to give them this incredible experience. We want to make sure that they're super entertained, whether we bring in a Lauren and Sean brought in a strolling magician. Maybe you want to bring in somebody who's going to create this incredible piece of art or a a comedian or a band or somebody that you can watch and laugh along to or cheer along to or dance along to, whatever it is, then that's your starting point of, okay, how can we build this in a way that's really entertaining for them? Or on the other side is, okay, maybe you really love flowers and you want to give them just this, oh my gosh, we want to make it feel like they're in an episode of Downton Abbey. Guys, I just watched Downton Abbey and it's lovely. (laughs) I have to say, wait, no, not Downton Abbey. Bridgerton is what I just watched. Yeah. Have you seen it? Don't watch it around the babies. It's 
not appropriate, but it was lovely for me to watch. (laughs) (laughs) But it's dripping in flowers and all this, oh, just dreamy, all this wonderful stuff. We're going to see a lot of Bridgerton themes coming, coming out of this year because holy moly, it's amazing. But if you love flowers and you want to do all this stuff, you can work with a florist to create bizarre over the top centerpiece or things dripping from the ceiling on a scale that you can't do with. No, a wedding where you just have a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. I actually, that brought up a good point. You want to talk about Bridgerton? No, I'm talking about wedding pros. Oh, oh. <laughs> because I feel like, again, when you talk about intimate weddings or weddings that are labeled intimate weddings or elopements, you think massively slimmed down. Maybe there's a photographer, maybe there's not. Maybe there's not a coordinator because it's DIY, it's backyard. But when I think about crafting an experience, I think about two wedding pros who are really important. I'm sorry, this is super biased, but a wedding photographer and a wedding planner. I think with you having this day, it's probably a smaller timeline. It's probably more condensed. You know, maybe it's five or six hours rather than, you know, a whole entire day. But I feel like having somebody there to really act as a buffer. So you really do get to dive into the experience because I'm also going to say that with venues and we've talked about the difference between wedding planners and venue coordinators. There's not even somebody at the venue probably on the scale of a large 200 person wedding that's going to act in the same way to help make the flow of events and whatever. I would say hiring a wedding planner is going to be even more key to having things go off smoothly on this smaller scale. What do you think about that? Obviously I agree. I think of all the vendors that you could decide whether you want to have for your wedding. I think photographer is the top one for me. Really? Yeah, because you could do all of it. And I know we live in this time where our phones are just so capable of taking photos and they take video and all of that. But there's just not many times in our life for most of us that we have professional photos of ourselves where we really put a lot of thought and effort into how we look that day and our people are there. And it's just this incredible day where holy cannoli, like you're getting married. The way people look on their wedding day, they are just full of so much. And you could just tell it's just not like any other day. I mean, it doesn't always need to be that magical day or anything like that, but you just carry yourself different that day. And I think to have that documentation after the fact, it's just so special. And I think of all of the things that you can decide whether you want to have, that's really the top one for me. And it's not like they have to be there for eight hours. And especially if you're looking at something that's during the week, photographer will work with you most well for being there for a less amount of time. And it's so worth it. Yeah. Last year, I did quite a few small weddings. Some were, hey, we're going to get married now and have a big wedding later. Other ones were, this is it. We're just taking our 200-person wedding down to 10 in a park outdoors in Philly in the Rose Garden. And some of them were where I showed up for like a little bit of getting ready, a ceremony, and then afterwards was just dinner at a restaurant. And I got a couple pictures. There was maybe a couple little speeches, some family pictures done. Other ones, it was just, I'm going to show up for like maybe a half hour of the getting ready and just the ceremony. And then they all go to a restaurant and I'm done. This was about being flexible. Prior to this, I hadn't really thought much about short day coverages like that. But when you're talking about weekdays, especially like you've been saying, it opens up a whole set of possibilities of working with people who might be on your like dream list of photographers or different wedding pros. And you're able to afford them more because it's an off season day or off weekend day, really. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words about photography. 
I can definitely say the last year was hard for so many couples. I know you know this. And the amount of couples that said that they felt closure after receiving their wedding photos back, no matter what shape and size the wedding was in, so that they felt really good about what they did. And that the photos, just because it was small, didn't mean it was less special. Right. One of my couples that I helped plan kind of shift gears a little bit. We planned a smaller wedding for them throughout COVID. There was only about 40 people there. We're still going to do their big two, 300 person celebration later this year, but they kept referencing the smaller wedding as their like concession prize. Like they're like, well, you didn't get to get married the big wedding this year, but here's your small treat. And then you get the big treat later on. And they had a lot of feelings around it, which they were more than entitled to. As we got closer, they started getting a lot more excited for it, which is really lovely to see. We pulled the whole thing together in about a month. So they went through a lot. It was a major roller coaster ride for them. So I give them a lot of credit there. But at the end of the night, I'll never forget them both just saying like, this is everything we didn't know we wanted. And when you look at the type of couple that they were and all of these wonderful people that are in their lives and the fact that they were able to have this incredibly special moment with their most favorite people that were able to travel and get there safely. And now they get to have this lovely thing later on. Like I've told them so many times, like you're so incredibly lucky to have had that viewpoint. But yeah, it was something where, like I said, we pulled it together really quickly. And I think when you look at micro weddings, going back to what we were talking about before, I do think that photographers are most important. And that doesn't mean that I don't think you should hire a planner. That's not at all what I would say. <laughs> I think when you have a micro wedding or when you have any wedding, having a person on your team, like a planner that you can go to, to say, Hey, what are we missing? What are we not thinking about? What do we need to know is helpful on absolutely any single scale. I think just because you're going small, doesn't mean that you need to say like, Oh, well then we need to do everything ourselves. You don't have to do that. You can still make sure that you have a professional on your side who's helping you through the process, giving you all the insider tips that you need so that you get to that wedding day and you go, yeah, we thought of everything. We made decisions based off of everything we knew. Now we just get to spend our time being 100% focused on what we're about to do, saying our vows, and then having this really incredible night. We're not having to worry about, oh gosh, should we contact the restaurant? You don't have to worry about all those different things. And I think you can work with a planner in many different capacities, but even if you just spend an hour talking to them and saying, hey, this is what we're thinking. What should we know about in this area? How should we approach this? That is often well worth extra time spent in trying to Google the entire internet of weddings. So to clarify, photography is most important in my opinion, but planning is also important. Danielle, are you in the feels right now? I'm in the feels. I'm always... Are you in the heart right now? Did you step out of the brain and get to the heart? (gasps) I think we cracked the code, everybody. Uh, I have a heart. <laughs> don't say I don't. I'm not the tin man. Um, Do you know when I was little, I did a tap dance to the whiz and I was an oil can and I got to tap dance to that. That was really fun. Wow. Very cool. Glad you shared that with us. Thanks. <laughs> well, you made me think. So you were talking about Germany before. I don't even know if you know this. When I was younger, so I was a dancer for my previous chapter of life for about 20 plus years. I was all I did. I was a ballerina. I love to tap, do all those things. When I was 13, I actually got to go to Germany and I took classes all throughout Europe, through Austria, Germany, Italy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, no, wait, hold on. Let me rephrase. It was terrifying and scary and also a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, micro weddings. <laughs> One thing that you said as we're kind of wrapping this up that I want to go back to is that I think that there is a fear 
that if you don't have the big wedding, it's going to be less than, or that you have to keep up with the Joneses, or you have to do this big thing. But what you said before that your couple said after they pulled this whole thing together was, this is everything that we didn't know that we wanted. And that's so true. That sentiment was echoed by every single one of my couples who did a small wedding, whether they were going to do a big wedding vow renewal or a big reception later, or that was their thing. Every single one of them said, this is everything that we didn't know we wanted. And I think it's because it's so stripped down to the attention you get to put on the important people that are around you. Like I am somebody who loves to be surrounded by a whole bunch of people, but it was very difficult for me on our wedding day to not be able to sit down and have an hour long conversation with every person of the 150 person guest list that was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think to some of our parties that we have here on New Year's where it's like 10, 15 people and it's just perfect. Yeah, well, it's perfect because we're there. So it's good. (laughs) It's perfect because I'm there saying, Dan, it's about 15 minutes until midnight. I think we should probably pop the champagne and get that a little bit poured out. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Dan, I need you to put the pigs in a blanket back in. They're a little bit cold. They've been out for a little too long. Oh, and can you refill the guac, please? I've never done that. Uh Uh-huh. You've never done that. That's great. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. (laughs) No, I echo everything that you just said, Dan. I think take-home message through all of this is that you can absolutely do anything that you want for the wedding, as long as it matters to you and to your partner and it feels right to the two of you. I and Dan, I know, fully encourage you to take that path on. And at the end of the day, it's going to be absolutely incredible and absolutely special. And if you still want to share it with everybody, that's what announcements are for. Mail it out and say, we got married. And everybody say, oh my gosh, congratulations. And it still feels really, really good. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Put A Ring On It podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, we just want to send some love and gratitude and hugs to all of our patrons in the Ringer Club. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much. You are the best. Absolutely. And let's be real. Things are way easier when you have a solid support system who is going through it right alongside you. So please join the Ringer Club community today at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Just click the link in our show notes. The Ringer Club is the best way to support the show and receive direct access to Danielle and I. Plus, you have an entire community of Ringers helping too on Facebook. Membership is just eight bucks a month, and we have a limited number of spots available at a lower monthly rate where you get all the same benefits. Again, that's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos and watch some of our behind the scenes shenanigans. Follow us at Put A Ring On It Podcast. Okay, ringers, remember we're here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding's going to be amazing. Because you rock. Until next time, ringers. Rachel came up to me the other day and she goes, hey, should I do some lunges? to get in shape. And I said, yeah, babe, that'd be great. That'd be a big step forward. Wow. (laughs) Pretty good, wasn't it? That was pretty good. I think you should have done it in your Andy voice from Headspace. Hi, I'm Andy. (laughs) My wife came up to me and said, Daniel, should I do lunges to get in shape? And I responded, yeah, babe, that'd be great. It'd be one giant step forward. So good. I don't know how you do that. Good job. That's funnier in your accent. One of my past business mentors 
It was Australian, and I could listen to him talk. And I had a groom that was Australian. His name's Stu. They're actually the couple who got married right before us, and they were awesome. It's not the best accent, but it's all right. Humble brag. There you go. 